Uh, and then we're in our final part of our series titled Who's Your One, where we are looking at, we've been challenged by our pastor to pray, invest, and invite someone to Jesus this Easter. And so we're focused on that as a church. And I've titled this message today, Get Uncomfortable. Get Uncomfortable. Would you just nudge your neighbor and say, get uncomfortable. Come on, just give him a little nudge. Nudge your other neighbor, your second choice, your second best. Just tell him, get uncomfortable. Just, you know, just, I hate it when preachers do that. And then uh, I may be the most excited, which is theologically not accurate, but the magic won last night. <laughs> We're going to the finals. I can feel it. I can feel it. And so I, gotta, I just got to tell you, um, I, 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 I have failed the magic in praying for them. I have not been praying for them, but I am back on the bandwagon today. Like, anybody with me? Like, we're going to add it to our prayer list. This is our year. It might snow today in Florida because we never win a playoff game, let alone get to the playoffs. But man, DJ Augustine at the end, he made the shot. I almost lost my voice. So hopefully I get through this service. Uh, so I'm, we're going to pray for the magic, and we're going to pray for that today, all right? Well, Father, we just thank you so much, God, for my friends that are in this room and those that might be watching online. And God, thank you for the opportunity to hear from you. Lord, I just pray in these next few minutes together that, God, you would just allow us to kind of just not be so distracted and really uh, hone in on, God, what you're wanting to say to each one of us. And, Lord, my prayer is that every one of us would leave here one step closer to you, closer to your will, closer to what you want in our lives, because we know that's best, even when we don't understand all of it. And, Lord, we lift up the Orlando magic. I pray DJ Augustine has a great sleep tonight. And Terrence Ross is going to have a blowout game next, next Tuesday. And uh, God, you're going to get all the glory because they're your team. In Jesus' name, somebody said amen. Amen. I don't uh, particularly enjoy being uncomfortable. Like, I didn't wake up today thinking to myself, you know, how uncomfortable could I be this Sunday morning? Like, that wasn't a natural, th I don't know about you guys, but I don't naturally think that way. Uh, I don't like cold pools. I don't like cold ocean water. It has to be like 93 degrees for me to get in the water. I don't like cold french fries. I just don't like being uncomfortable. I don't like camping. Like that, you know, what do you do with the TP? I don't know. I don't want to know. Like I don't want to go. Like that doesn't sound fun. Um, like roughing it to me is like in a lesser star resort. You know, like I just think, I'm like, man, we roughed it, man. It was rough because we're roughing it. So I'm a man, you know, I don't know. I just don't, I don't like being uncomfortable. Um, so a couple weeks ago, my wife and I, we decided to do this thing called a family vacation. You ever heard of it? It's where you take your family on vacation, which is an interesting thought because I'm not sure if, whatever, if it is a vacation at that point, I have issues. All right. So just pray for me. So we did our very first family cruise. Okay. So we've been married for 10 years. And we've done a lot of cruises, but never a cruise with our kids, all right? So, and anytime we ever do a cruise with mom and dad, typically we give each other a high five and we say, I'm so glad we didn't bring the kids. Like, that's what we say when we're on the cruise, all right? Because the agenda is very different when mom and dad have the cruise to themselves and when the kids are along for the ride. So needless to say, we have the kids, okay? So... Uh, we're looking at the itinerary, and so there is a, at 10.30 a.m., there is a Dr. Seuss parade and story time. Well, guess what I'm doing at 10.30 in the morning? Dr. Seuss parade and story time, right? Because that's where the kids want to go. 
Let me just tell you, I just wanted to cruise, all right? Just to be clear, that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to shut my phone off. I wanted to be entertained. I wanted to eat too much. I did not want to work out. I just wanted to cruise. Anybody with me? Like, that's what I went on the boat to do. If I didn't want to cruise, I would have not cruised. Like, that's what I was doing. Okay, so, so we're, we're there. So we walk into this room. I'm wondering where the parade is, because to my surprise, it's basically a classroom with tables. And I'm looking at the tables, and on the tables are parade um, banners and then noisemakers, but no people. So guess who the characters are? Your boy! Me! I just wanted to cruise. That was, so here I am. These are our two kids. And then I look at their faces. They've got joy. So I'm like, here we go. We're in it, right? Because they're loving it. So I'm like, all right, great parent. I'm so good. I'm so humble. I'm so sacrificial. Gosh, I'm a great dad. You know, and so we, so then this, she finally comes out and we got these banners and stuff. And then the next picture, they, uh, the characters finally come out. And then I realize that the story time is not in that room. You know where the story time is. It's on the other side of the boat in which we are going to not join. We are the parade. I just wanted to cruise. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to do anything. So it's 1030 in the morning. I've got my tank top on. My muscles are just bulging everywhere. <laughs> and here we are. We are with the characters, and we are singing Dr. Seuss on the loose, and we're yelling it. So we've got clappers. I've got banners. We're shaking it all the way across this boat, right, at 1030 in the morning, because that's what I wanted to do, clearly. That's what I, I had a comfort zone. Uh, that went out the window fairly quickly. So we're screaming this chant across the way. We finally walk into the auditorium, which is on the other side of the boat there. And uh, so they had this set up. And so finally, I'm like, there we go. I'm done. I did my out of the comfort zone thing. I'm back in. I'm sitting on the front row. Now my kids are involved because it's a kid thing. And so I'm disengaged. I'm trying to figure out what we're doing next on the itinerary because clearly we're not doing this again. <laughs> so then what do you think happens? Well, the director that is telling the story calls me out on the, because why not, right? That makes sense. You think my life's over. No, I needed sermon material. And so God had to give it to me. And so I'm on the front row and she calls me out and then makes me do this silly dance. Um, in fact, actually, I've got video. Do you want to see it? Why not? I mean, I've already, okay. So check this out. Yeah, you have to do it out of the queue. Come on, sir. Ready? A person's a person. No matter how small. Perfect. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're going to do that throughout the whole story. <laughs> I've had to relive this three times today in services. Um, like, my, my blood pressure's up. Uh, so I had to do that about 19 times, and I thought I was done. Clearly, I wasn't. I just got to tell you, I, I don't think any of us enjoy being outside of our comfort zone. Like, that's not what we particularly enjoy. But here's the truth. Some of the most impactful moments in your life are the result of someone getting uncomfortable. Am I right? That's interesting. How many are married in the room? Hey. Okay, so somebody, somebody traditionally would get down on one knee, typically the guy, and would propose, right? That was an uncomfortable moment that resulted into a, a lifetime experience, right? Uh, maybe you're here and you've started a business, right? Today, you're going to go to a restaurant, and the only way you're eating there is because someone uncomfortably started that restaurant, right? 
let me, get, let me give you this one. You're only here today because your mom and your dad uncomfortably went past the friend zone. And now, lucky world, you are here, and we're so blessed to have you. Hey, as a church, we are here today because a group of people 20 years ago, actually last week was our 20-year anniversary as a church. How cool is that? Don't take that for granted. But we are here today because a group of people from the Northwest decided to transplant here uncomfortably, and now we're here. You have a place to be. There's some great impactful moments that have happened from, so, so here's a paradox that we have to wrestle with. We don't like being uncomfortable, but uncomfortability tends to lead to some really impactful things. So here's the question. What do you do? Would you just pause for a moment and just ask yourself, what, what are you going to do? And, and if you're a Christ follower in the room, can we ask that question? Like, what is our part in that paradox, in that predicament? Are we going to stay inside of our comfort zone or are we going to get outside of our comfort zone? In fact, let me ask you this question. What if God's plan is found in your discomfort? Would you still pursue it? Or is there a limit to your comfort? God, I'll give you a comfort level of two, but don't give me three. I'll, I'll take a discomfort level of six, but don't give me a seven. What if God's will is found in your discomfort. How many are believing God for your one, right? And as a church, we're believing, we're trying to focus on one person that we're going to bring to Jesus this Easter weekend. Let me ask you this question. What if your one is one uncomfortable moment away from Jesus? Would you pursue it? Would you get outside of your, your comfort zone? I want to be really clear of my goal today. I want to get you uncomfortable for Jesus. Like that, that would be my assignment today is just to get you uncomfortable for Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to live a life where I just stay inside of my comfort zone. Like that's, that's not the goal for me. And I just want to encourage you today, just like in that cruise, just like in that moment, I was trying to sit on the front row and I was trying to disengage, but the director would not let me. And maybe that's where you are spiritually today, but maybe God's using me as a director. Can we just make God the director? I believe that he's calling you out saying, hey, get in the story. There's a story that's unfolding in front of you. Don't sit on the front row. Be involved. Be engaged. And that sometimes requires your discomfort. In fact, do we honestly think that our community will come to Jesus with us staying in our comfort zone? If we think that way, I think we're missing it. And I would even say, particularly, I think we're missing out on the beauty of life. It's the discovery of the unknown of what God could and can and will. And we just, that, that wrestle is so amazing. It's, a, it's an incredible journey. So I want to bring your attention to Mark chapter 2. Would you turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Mark chapter 2, verse 1. I want to share with you a story of four men that uncomfortably brought someone to Jesus. And as we walk through this story together, I would like you to do this. I just want you to think about who you're hoping to bring to Jesus this week. And maybe we can find encouragement and hope found in this passage. So let me set this scene up just a little bit. 
There was, there was a Mark, Mark chapter one or Mark chapter two says this, uh, or, or before I read it, let me just set up Mark. So there's four gospels in the scriptures. They are each an account of a different author. Mark is writing about Jesus, who we believe is the son of God. He is God himself. He's not just a man. He is God. And so Mark actually starts out in chapter one, verse one, and he declares that Jesus is the Messiah. And the rest of Mark, in my opinion, is a defense of that claim. And so Mark one is really powerful. I mean, Jesus is healing, he's preaching, and the word is spreading about him to the point that Mark one ends by saying he couldn't go public anymore. There were so, people wanted to be around Jesus so much that he had to go home. And even at his house, it was, there was a crowd there. And so let's pick up in verse one. And can we give our man a hand? I know there's more than four, but they're just so awesome. And then Pastor Esteban is our Jesus today. You are muy guapo, muy, muy guapo. Can we give Pastor Esteban a hand? So let me, I just, I wanted to set this scene up for you so that you could see it as opposed to just read it. All right. So if you can imagine Jesus is surrounded by a crowd, there's no way to get to them. And these men are on their way and they meet a paralyzed man. And that's going to be me. This is our made up mat. All right. So here's what it says. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Jesus is at his house. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And so he preached the word to them. So imagine this. There are so many people at the house. People were outside trying to hear. You could just imagine people relaying stuff. What did he say? He said, da, 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 da. There's relaying out, out the house. And these men are on their way and they decide, look at what verse three says. It says, some men came. So here's Jesus, he's preaching. Just get this scene. And all of a sudden, the story brings in this paralyzed man being carried by these four strong, handsome, beautiful men. And they're bringing him a paralyzed man carried by the four of them. Now go to verse four. Or let me ask this question first of all. As you think about who God is calling you to reach, I think we should ask this question. What did it take for these men to bring the paralyzed man to Jesus? And then we can ask the question for ourselves, what does it take for us to bring those that are outside of the faith to Jesus? Well, let's, let's throw some out. First one I want to put up on the screen is this. It took compassion. They had to care, right? Let me ask you, on a scale of one to 10, how compassionate are you towards our world? our community. You got to watch the CNN and Fox News too much. If you, if you listen to that more than you listen to the Bible, you're going to lose compassion for those that think differently, for those that are outside of your perspective. We've got to have compassion. Secondly, I believe that they had humility, right? There was a sense, in fact, actually I wanted to show this picture, but in order for these men to pick me up and take me somewhere else, they have to first lower their posture. Maybe we don't have a preaching problem. Maybe we have a posture problem. Last time I checked, pride and arrogance and narcissism does not win people to Jesus. Your arrogance 
and having all the right lines and the right stuff and you being holier than thou is not going to win them to Jesus. Can I tell you what will? Humility. Philippians says that Jesus humbled himself. If we're going to follow Jesus, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a following of pride. It wasn't a following of arrogance. It was a following of humility. You know what humility is? It's just not putting the attention on self. Caring more about the person at Target. Caring more about the coworker. Caring more about your spouse. Caring more about your kids. Putting others before yourself. And so they lower themselves. Go ahead, guys. Let's do this thing. hey Now, did you see what just happened? In order for me to be raised up, they had to first be lowered. Maybe that's the case in your world too. In order for your, your one to be raised up, maybe you have to first lower yourself. What else happened? It took them time. It takes you guys time to do this, right? What else? It took energy. This is 280 pounds of pure steel. <laughs> I love this too much. You don't have to laugh that hard. What else did it take? It took faith. It takes faith. This thing is a, is a walk of faith. Our, 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 the mission of God is a mission of faith. Oh man, it took them faith. You guys are crazy. This is impossible. I don't walk. I can't be healed. Who does that? Unless you know something that I don't know. Could, could the church maybe know something that the world doesn't know? Has the church maybe tasted something that the world hasn't tasted yet? Has the church maybe seen something that the world hasn't seen yet? If you would just meet Jesus, you would have a different perspective. And so they had faith. You know, lastly, and we could have put a bunch down, but they had unity. The only way that I'm still up right now is because they're working together. And thank you guys for doing that. <laughs> you know, we're all in this thing together. You're going after your one. I'm going after my one. She's going after her one. He's going after her one. And I've seen it as a pastor at our church so many times where I would talk to somebody at the gas station and they, and you know, man, I mentioned City Church and then they saw your bumper sticker and then they, they saw somebody else's flyer and then they had somebody else at school that... And, and all of a sudden they ended up here and it wasn't one invite, it was seven invites from all of our community working together, focused on the lost, focused on people that aren't here. And I just wanna say way to go church, but it takes unity. So now they have a predicament because Jesus is over there. They wanna bring me to Jesus. This is already crazy, but they can't get in the house. There's too many people. So what does the Bible say in verse four? It says, since they could not get into Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and they lowered the mat that, was, that, that the man was lying on. So go ahead, guys, let's do that. I just wanted to get him to Jesus. If he just gets to Jesus, things could shift. So they lay him down. Notice what strikes out to Jesus first is actually not the paralyzed man, is it? We see in verse five, he saw their faith. Man, I want you to know God sees your faith. He sees your struggle. Even though you don't think he was watching, he saw you outside of the house caring. He saw you guys having the conversations, hey, should we, should we go deal with, should we go? invest in him? Should we go invest in her? 
And can I just speak to you today? God sees your faith. He sees your faith. When you're praying in your car and nobody's looking around, he sees your faith. When you're believing, when nobody else seems to be believing, he sees your faith. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. I know maybe a hundred times they've said no. A hundred times it hasn't worked out. A hundred times your coworker or your spouse has not worked out. I'm here to tell you, don't grow weary. Don't give up. Don't lose faith. Jesus is seeing it. He's seeing it. In one moment in God's presence and everything can change. And so he said to the paralyzed man, Jesus looks at him and he calls him what? He calls him a son. This is so impactful for me. I mean, we could spend a couple weeks on this passage. This paralyzed man had not heard those words from his father in a very long time because if you're paralyzed, you're not at home anymore. How many people in our community haven't heard those words in a long time? Son, daughter. And he looks at him. And so this paralyzed man's gotta be elated who in the world can call me a, a son he looks at him and he says your sins are forgiven isn't that interesting you, if, I mean we've, we know this text a little bit so we already know where it's going but if you would have read this for the first time if you would have been there in this moment you would have thought why aren't you dealing with the paralyzed part and he would say I am what's more important that he walks again or that his sins are forgiven Oh, man. So he looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven. Let me just tell you one last thing. As they brought the paralyzed man to Jesus, let me tell you, are they closer to Jesus now or further away? The men. Isn't that interesting? Their position changed. Maybe this Easter weekend isn't just about your friend or your coworker coming to Jesus. Maybe it's about you having a fresh perspective, closer than ever, intimacy with, with Jesus. And maybe it's not just about them coming to Christ, but also about you becoming more like Jesus as he is going outside of his comfort zone into our comfort. Can we give it up for these guys and for Pastor Esteban? It's such a good job. Thank you. Good job. So look at verse six. Let's just, I want to show you this because I think there's something to speak here. Come on. And I pray that God's just putting a one on your heart. I pray that your faith is being encouraged right now. That, man, okay, it may have not worked out in the past, but listen, man, this is a new season. God's up to something. Man, we are planting seeds, and we don't know when they're going to harvest. Look at this. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Which maybe that's the point. <laughs> Look at verse 8. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Can I just pause for a moment? Just break this, this context down for a second. The people outside of the house where Jesus was were thinking about what God can do. The people inside of the house where Jesus were were thinking about what God can't do. Isn't that interesting? Could that even be a message to the church? Who are we? Who are you? What kind of culture and environment 
are you raising in your, with your kids, with your spouse, with those that are around you? Is it a culture of what God can't do or is it a culture of what God can do? And I don't know about you, but man, I want to be the person. I want to be the type of church. I want to be the type of community where uh, we're looking at not saying, God, we're going to box you in here. And theologically, you can only this and you can only that. No, we're saying, God, anything is possible with you. Anything is possible. Come on, am I in the right house today? Anything is possible. It's a place of faith. It's a place of hope. It's a place of joy. God can do it. And let's refuse to have that small-mindedness. But man, let's enlarge our stakes. Let's enlarge our borders. Let's enlarge our faith to believe the impossible. To get outside of our comfort zone for those that are around us. And look at verse 9. It says, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. And obviously, we know the rest of the story. It's actually a lot easier to say, take up your mat than it is to say your sins are forgiven because sins aren't forgiven without the punishment of death. And look at what Jesus says, verse 10. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to them, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go where? Go back to the side of the road? I mean, we'll have to get into this another day. But that picture brought me to tears just thinking about the son with mat in hand, the thing that crippled him, the thing that, 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 that was what he laid on. That was his perspective. That was his identity. And now he has it in his hand as he shows back up to the father saying, Dad, I'm coming home. And the father embracing, which tells me that not only, oh, this is so good, I can't even contain it. Not only is Jesus wanting to heal your heart, I believe he's also wanting to heal your home. Amen. And how this thing continues to grow, to go. And this man goes back to the Father and says, I just met a man who is the Son of God. And I'm really excited that I can walk, but maybe even more excited that my sins are forgiven, that I have a place because I haven't had a place in a long time. There are people in our community all across, there are thousands of people that would love a place. They would just love a place. They would never tell you that. But man, they would love an invite. They would love an opportunity. They just, they would love to sit here and hear a message of hope. Now you may, they, may, they, may, they may have some walls up, but man, if you could get past those walls, they would say, would you just reach out to me? I'm crying, I'm, I'm desperate inside. Would you just, I would love to sit in that back row. Give me a seat in the lobby. I'll take it. Let me be a part of this thing. And maybe they would even, maybe calling you out of your comfort zone, saying, would you get uncomfortable for me? And let's be the type of community that would get uncomfortable for those that are around us. So I want to just give you some action steps organizationally to, to move the ball forward this Easter weekend. And I know that God's hopefully speaking to you way beyond this message about some uncomfortable things that maybe he's calling you to, which is powerful. But let me just give you a couple here that could really help your church this weekend coming up. First one is this. I want to challenge you to uncomfortably sit. All right? Now, I don't mean like slouch or something. What I mean by that is, can we put up the next screen? 
or the next slide on the screen, we have a bunch of services this Easter weekend. Last Easter weekend, we had almost 2,500 people here at City Church. Can we give God a hand for that? That's awesome. To give you a perspective, right now we average right at 1,000 people every weekend. So we're gonna have 2.5 times the amount of people next weekend. And I'm praying that we'll have three to four times the amount. I mean, I would love to see us break 3,000, 4,000. Can I get a good amen? Come on, we can do it. Okay, so we're having a good Friday on, on Friday. If you've never been a part of that, I would encourage you to, to check that out. It's a one hour communion service. Uh, it's a really special time. But then we're gonna have five Easter egg hunts and services. And here's what I would challenge you with. So we're gonna have two, we're gonna have a 1 p.m. on Saturday, a 3 p.m., there's gonna be a food truck there for that. Then Easter Sunday, we're gonna have an 8.30 a.m., a 10 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. Now, I just want you to know, the 10 a.m. and the 11.30 a.m., which is this service that we're in right now, is the most packed service that we will have this Easter weekend. So here's what I would really challenge you to do. Would you consider going to a different service to make room for those that, are, that you're inviting to come to church? And so I would encourage you, can you come to the 8.30 a.m.? Could you come to Saturday at 1? Could you come to Saturday at 3? That would be a huge help to our organization. And let me tell you this. Our church, your church, we are uncomfortably adding services, not for you, by the way. You don't need them. We could, if it was just about you, we would just do our three Sunday morning services. But it's not just about you, amen? Come on. Are we in a good, I just feel like we're in a good house, a good church that cares. Man, we're gonna stretch. So to be clear, like the reason why we're adding these is to create space. So last year, during the second, second service specifically, we had overflow in the outside in the cafe and we had to turn people away that, that service. So I would encourage you, Try to do your best to not, if you're inviting somebody, that's different. Bring them to one of the, your, your main services. But if you're not, I would really ask you to uncomfortably come to one or three. All right, cool. All right, let's keep going. Second thing I want to challenge you with, uncomfortably invite. Just uncomfortably invite. Just whatever your comfort zone is right now, you probably have one. You're like, God, I'll, I'll invite that person, but I won't invite that person. I just want to encourage you. This is the week. This is the best week of the year for people to come to church. Like if we're gonna invest, this is the time to do it. If you're gonna invite that person that may never come, this is the week where they are most likely to come. This is your moment. Not the week after, not, not in August. This is your moment. So invite. Uh, third thing is this. I want you to uncomfortably invest. Uncomfortably invest. And I just wanna show you a picture. This is a picture of somebody in our church that gave a large um, uh, a tip and left left some cards on the table and most of the restaurant ended up finding out about that. I wanna encourage you, if you're going out to lunch today, uncomfortably invest. So here's my challenge, all right? I don't mean move it from 18% to 24% tip. All right, that's not what I'm saying. Uh, let me just give you maybe, maybe a suggestion. Whatever your meal is, just double it. Like that would surprise your waiter or waitress. If your meal is $30, leave a $30 tip. If your meal was $15, leave a $15 tip. Now listen, I'm not saying you can do that every time. 
I would just say that this week is, if you're gonna invest money into people, this is the week to do it. Like if you want a strong ROI, strong return on investment, like this is the week. Don't, if you're able to do that all the time, that's awesome. But man, if there's a moment where you could do it, um, man, this is the week to do it, all right? So uncomfortably invest. And then lastly, I wanna challenge you to uncomfortably pray. Whatever your normal prayer routine is, I just encourage you to get outside of that comfort zone. All right, so if you pray in the morning or at night or in the car or whatever, I want to encourage you to take talk radio off, put some music, whatever. Just I, I encourage you today, pray. And you may be here going, listen, you know, I'll leave that up for the prayer team. I'll leave that up for the pastors. Um, I just, I would love to challenge you to quit that stinking thinking. All right, like that's just bad thinking in general, okay? Um, all of us are called to pray. And last time I checked the 133rd Psalm, I love this, but it says there's a blessing where there's unity. And so even, even maybe even more important than your prayer, it's the fact that we're all in this thing together. Our hearts are in this thing going, God, we're all crying out to God this week saying, God, would you move? God, would you move? God, would you change? God, would you stir? And let's do that thing together. And I don't know about you guys, but I wanna be an individual. I wanna be, the, I wanna be a family. I wanna be a church where we are willing to get out of our comfort zone for those that are around us. Because let me remind you today as we close, Jesus got out of his comfort zone for you. God looked at you and me. He looked at our sin. <laughs> and he did not delegate someone else, but he sent himself. Get this. He got out of his comfort zone into our comfort zone at the sake of his discomfort so that we might know his love for us. And can I tell you that I believe that God is also sending you and I out of our comfort zone into somebody else's world so that they would know the love, the hope, the grace, the forgiveness that's found in the Father.